Hi, everyone. This is Lamar Stanley, your host of the MA Source Podcast. A quick note about today's episode. This episode was actually recorded late in 2019, slightly before the COVID-19 pandemic began here in the United States. So there's reference to the conference where this recording took place and obviously no reference to the COVID outbreak or economic downturn created by the shutdown. However, the information is still very valuable and a great indicator of the useful information and courses taught at M&A Sources biannual conferences. Hopefully that we can get back online in person soon. With that said, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the M&A Source Podcast, a podcast brought to you by M&A Source, a nonprofit professional organization that provides training and education for small to mid-sized business mergers and acquisitions intermediaries. In each episode of the podcast, we will interview leaders in the M&A world to discuss education opportunities provided by M&A Source, trends in M&A markets, and useful insights provided by the experts that use them. Thank you for joining us. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the M&A Source podcast, sponsored by M&A Source, the source of opportunity and professional growth for mergers and acquisitions intermediaries and strategic professionals in the lower middle market. I am your host, Lamar Stanley, Head of Business Development and Originations with GenCap America, a lower middle market private equity firm based in Nashville, Tennessee. And joining me today is Jim Afinwich with IBG Business. Jim has more than three decades of experience selling businesses as an M&A advisor, selling businesses as small as $3,000 worth of enterprise value, all the way up to $120 million. So he's covered the spectrum. Additionally, he is a certified business intermediary certification holder, as well as a mergers and acquisitions master intermediary. On top of being a founding partner of his firm, a firm, by the way, that has been voted number one M&A firm in Arizona for the last 18 years in a row by ranking Arizona Magazine, no small feat. But he is also a past president of IBBA and founding member of M&A Source. So having said all that, it's not surprising that Jim was teaching the course number 481 entitled Managing an M&A Auction in the Lower Middle Market at this year's fall conference here in San Antonio. Jim, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. And before we dive into the course and discuss the topics that you covered there, I first wanted to offer you the chance to give a little background on yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about your history in the business. Well, I started out owning my own business when I was 20 years old. Owned a number of businesses, bought and sold them, and in my early 30s, I decided I really liked doing transactions better than I did running a business. So I became a Main Street business broker and never been bored since. Been selling businesses ever since. Started taking classes at IBPA. Learned a lot that helped me with my Main Street practice and then decided to transition to being a, an M&A broker and little larger transactions. And again, the M&A source was my primary go-to for knowledge. That's helped me build my practice to what it is today. So thank you, M&A Source and IVBA. Yeah, it, it is amazing how many people have told me that through these interviews that they have so much of their professional development to attribute to M&A Source. But without going too deep into our plug there, I did want to also ask you to give us a little background on IBG Business. IBG Business was formed with three partners that I have now that are all members of the M&A Source. Through meetings at the M&A Source, we've decided to create a national platform. Today, we have offices in five different states. We share resources, we share marketing, we share a common brand. 
and we are mid-market brokers. Great. All right. Well, with that, as I mentioned, I wanted to bring you on to talk about the course that you're teaching here at the conference, Course 481 on Managing M&A Auction Processes. Can you tell us a little bit about the course? The course came out of constituent meetings here at the M&A source. There were some brokers using an auction process, but not a lot. And so as we've discussed this around cocktail parties and and meetings here, decided that it would be a good course for other people to learn. It's a process that works very well for a number of reasons, which we obviously will get into, but it was generated from meetings just like this one here in San Antonio. And what is an M&A auction process for the folks at home? An auction process, or sometimes we call it a structured process, is a process where you go to market without a price. That's probably the major difference with it. But other than not having a price, you're setting specific timelines and deadlines. You're trying to get multiple buyers to bid against each other which maximizes the value for your client, but is also a great positioning tool for sellers. Sellers always want to get as much as they can get. And in an auction process, you get multiple bids. They can walk away knowing that they did not leave money on the table. And it's more efficient than a standard process. Well, you said some folks are not using auction or structured processes. How do you determine if a auction process or a structured process is right for a business that, when you're bringing it to sale? You know, it's case specific. It depends on the business. If you are going to have multiple buyers for the business, if there are potentially synergistic buyers, an auction process is the way to go. If you have a business that's struggling, that's in decline, that's two steps away from bankruptcy, you want to get it sold immediately, and you may not have multiple buyers. So that's part of what we cover in the class is identifying which businesses really fit this process, besides how to run the process. And what are the elements of the structured transaction process? What, what does it look like? The elements are very similar for the most part to any type of sale that you have to start out and you have to have a meeting of the minds with the seller as to value. Now, this helps determine that value a little better than traditional method, but you have to do that. You have to create a a sim. You have to create a teaser. You have to create a marketing list. You, You have to market. So those elements are the same. The difference here is that you are setting deadlines. You are setting deadlines either for an IOI or an LOI, an indication of interest or a letter of intent. And so those are specific time frames in which all the potential buyers have to comply. You're giving them an outline of all of the things that you want to see in that IOI or LOI and when it needs to be presented. So you're taking control of the process. And you mentioned deadlines and timelines. Why are you doing that? What's the benefit to the, to the seller? Well, the benefit to the seller is, again, making sure that they understand they're getting maximum value for it, but also moving the process along as quickly as you can. You need with buyers to create a sense of urgency. 
And deadlines help do that, helps create the sense of urgency. And how can you manage these deadlines, or how do you talk about doing that in the course? You know, there's, there's more to managing the timeline than I can talk about in detail here, and that's part of what we cover in the course. But I will say at this point that that time schedule is rigid and it is flexible. You need to be flexible in making sure that when you call for a deadline for a bid, you've got bidders ready to bid. You don't have a deadline and no one show up. So there's some flex in that schedule, but you get to a certain point, it's very flexible, and a next point, it's very rigid. That's what you need to learn. So you mentioned IOIs and LOIs during the discussion of deadlines. Are there situations where an IOI is not necessary and you go direct LOI, or, or what, is, what do you discuss in the course around that? Actually, we discuss that a lot in the course. There are, you are correct, there are cases when you want to use an IOI, and there are cases you want to go directly to an LOI. Now, I'll give you one example of that here. If you expect to have a dozen offers, you want to have an indication of interest. Uh, you want to screen the first flight of potential buyers. If you have less buyers, you may go directly to a letter of intent. But we cover that in detail in the course. And then once you have the offers, when you're presenting offers to the clients, do you have any advice on how to do that or do you discuss that in the course? We discuss that in the course. It's very important how they're presented. I'll give you one part of what we talk about in the course, and that is giving your client an apples-to-apples comparison of the offers. Not all offers are the same. You have to get into the detail. It isn't just the top line price. So that apples to apples comparison, we start out with a summary. And we we talk about a simplistic summary in the course to give your client that you can get a snapshot picture. And then, of course, you have all the letters of intent behind that to get into the detail. But you need to start out with a good summary. And if you have multiple bidders and you're laying them out for your client, are they just choosing one and moving on, or are we negotiating from there, or what's typical? We're negotiating at every step. That's one of the beauties of this process. We talked about a transaction in the course here yesterday that we worked on. We had a very desirable company, and we started out with indications of interest. We had 12 indications of interest to begin with. We did not allow management meetings before the indication of interest because we didn't want to go through 12 different sets of management meetings. Once they passed that indication of interest stage, we picked the top three of those. And then from that top three, we had management meetings and we went to letter of intent. So this process of going from IOI to LOI is partially a sorting process. And it's amazing how some people we called and said, Sura, you're out. You're not going to the next stage. Said, well, can, can we raise our bid? Can we raise our bid? We want to get in the next stage. So we, we found uh, this process determines whether, whether bids are hard and whether they're really soft. I'm glad you mentioned it, but you discussed management meetings and having those or mitigating the number of those. How much training are you giving to the management teams that you're working with, and, or how much do you recommend during the course to prepare business owners for that management meeting process? The more you can prepare business owners, the better. 
give them a list of questions they're going to be asked. I'll spend an hour of prep before the first meeting. And now I know you invest in companies, and I probably shouldn't say this in front of you, but <laughs> I, I will tell you that when I do management meetings, I like to have the worst buyer be the first one in. So my clients can practice on the guy they're probably not going to take. And then we can review afterwards and talk about how they could have done it better. So when we get to the really good ones, they've already rehearsed. Yep. No, it, it pays to have reps in. So that makes a lot of sense. One thing that you haven't talked about yet that I suspect is probably covered in the course is data rooms. Can you talk about what those are and, and what goes in those? Absolutely. Years ago, we didn't use data rooms. We emailed things. And I came to an M&A Source conference, and the M&A Source leadership got up and said, we have a new benefit for members. We have highly discounted data rooms for you to use. And discount's a, a word that pops interest in, in most of us. So we started using a data room then, and I use a data room on absolutely every deal we do now. The source taught me how to do that, and there were just tremendous benefits of using a data room. And one other thing that I forgot to ask earlier when we were discussing the timeline, but when do you recommend business owners bring in service providers, and, and who are they, and, and when do they come in? We believe, and we talk about this in the class, that it is a team effort that you need to have the service providers, and I'm talking about accountants, attorneys, financial planners. We like to meet with them at the very beginning of the process. I don't want to bring an attorney in when it's time to do the contract. I want to bring them in as part of the team up front so we can talk about our goals and objectives and what to expect. Some of that, frankly, is for us to find out if it's the right service provider. Not every attorney is an M&A attorney. And we see business owners that have great loyalty to their attorney. Their attorney handled their DWI, they handled their divorce, and now they want them to handle a $20 million sale. If we need to change that service provider to someone experienced, we want to do that up front. So it's very important that they're involved along the way. That makes a lot of sense. In summary, who would you say this course is for? I mean, is this for someone who's never run an auction process? You know, when we, we did the class, we took a poll of the people in the class and what their years of experience were. And we had people from one year of experience to people with over 20 years of experience. I would say that this class is number one for anybody that has not run an auction process or a structured sale so they can learn how to do it. But I think it's also for people that are running that type of process that learn other other methodologies. I was going to say tricks. That's maybe a bad <laughs> word. You know, or learn other methodologies. You know, I have run this process on almost all my deals for years. And one of the reasons I like presenting this class is I learn from the audience. Take these guys, and it may not be a 20-year guy, maybe a five-year guy. I learn things of what they do. 
And so this class for anybody, I would say it's for any M&A broker that hasn't made too much money yet. <laughs> that is a high bar, but I, I don't want to spoil any more of the content of the course, but I do want to say thank you, Jim, for coming on today. I, I really enjoyed the chat. You know, I can't say that you would have spoiled it at all. We've touched on the high parts, and the course goes into great detail and depth with this. So Great. Great. Well, thank you. So if you would like to learn more about M&A auction processes or learn more about any of the other M&A-related topics provided by M&A Source, please visit M&A Source's website, masource.org, and please feel free to reach out to our staff listed there. And I would also highly recommend any M&A professional to join M&A Source and also to attend our semi-annual conference events where courses like the one discussed today will be taught. Thank you for supporting the show. And to find more episodes like this one, please visit masource.org. I'm your host, Lamar Stanley, and I look forward to chatting with you again on the next episode of the M&A Source Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the M&A Source Podcast. If you would like to learn more about M&A Source or would like to join, please visit M&A Source's website, www.masource.org, where you can find a wealth of information to include information about M&A Source's biannual conferences. Thanks again for joining, and if you enjoyed the show, we hope that you'll go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Join us next time for another edition of the M&A Source Podcast. <laughs>